0: Just head over to brighthire.com to get started. That's brighthire.com to get started. Cheeseman out. Like Shark Tank? Then you'll love Firing Squad. Chad Soash and Joel Cheeseman are here to put the recruiting industry's bravest, ballsiest, and baddest startups through the gauntlet to see if they've got what it takes to make it out alive. Dig a foxhole and duck for cover, kids. The Chad and Cheese Podcast is taking it to a whole other level. All right, all right, all right. It's your plumber's favorite podcast, everybody, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always, the Argyle to my John McClain. Chad Sowash is in the house. And it's another firing squad with... Jason Radisson, founder and CEO of Movo, Movo on a mission to transform work environments and career paths for millions of frontline workers. Jason, welcome to The Firing Squad. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. No problem. No problem. Now, before we get to the business stuff, our listeners probably don't know who you are. Give them a Twitter bio. What makes Jason Radisson tick?
1: Yeah, happy to. So Jason Radisson is my name. I live in Minneapolis. Uh, I grew up as uh, the only child of a 16-year-old single mom. I uh, worked all kinds of jobs coming up, and um, I'm just really passionate about work, my family, uh, and the outdoors. And I think um, those three things really combine themselves super well in Minneapolis. Big fan of the Twin Cities recent transplant from Silicon Valley.
0: Sixteen-year-old single mother. Wow, that's a, that's a whole podcast in and of of itself. Jeez. Oh, yeah. probably. <laughs> yeah, probably is. Well, we're not yeah. we're not here for the warm and fuzzy stuff. Not at all. Chad, you, tell him what he's won today. <laughs> well,
2: Jason, welcome to the firing squad. This is how it's going to go. At the sound of the bell. <laughs> You are going to have two minutes to pitch Movo. At the end of two minutes, we're going to hit you up with about 20 minutes of Q&A. So be sure to be concise or we're going to hit you with the crickets, which means you need to tighten it up and move on. At the end of Q&A, you will receive one of the three. A big applause. Happy holidays for Jason's. Looks like uh, you've unwrapped that big exit that you've always wanted. Golf clap keep cleaning up reindeer shit. With a good work ethic, you might get a glimpse of market adoption. And last but never least, the firing squad. Bah humbug. Take a lump of coal and be happy with it. That's the firing squad, Jason. Are you ready?
0: Ready as I'll ever be. Your two minutes starts now.
1: So, hey everybody! Movo is a real-time platform that uh, your workforce—if you have a large frontline workforce, the hospitality industry, uh, clinical staff, uh, retail, um, energy, and 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 clean tech—Movo uh, is a platform where your entire workforce has everything about their work day, all day long, every day, uh, from timekeeping to communications. Uh, to a kind of virtual social network, to training opportunities, uh, and things like shift swapping, um, and picking up new new roles internally, promotion opportunities, and, and opportunities, mobility opportunities, and things like that. Um, Movo supports all of those use cases, and our clients are largely uh, global companies with, with big workforces in that space. And have realized a 10 to 30% improvement in productivity. Uh, the initial idea we got from Mova was I was an exec and early team member in Uber and then in two other gig economy companies. Um, and I really saw this opportunity to take the technology of the gig economy and a modern mobile real-time platform to frontline workforces in traditional companies that weren't blessed with that same kind of technology. And I think the world's just changing. We're entering a phase where there's never going to be more workers. Uh, we've got to invest in the workforce that we have in leveling them up and, and removing frictions from their job. Uh, you can find out more about us. You can see client testimonials. You can see demos of the software at movo.co. That's m-o-v-o.co. Thanks a lot, guys.
0: All right, I'm sorry. Did you say shift swapping or wife swapping? I
1: I didn't quite. get We that. have
0: not gotten into that yet. <laughs> not okay. not yet, but uh, it's it's on the roadmap. It's on you the roadmap. May, you, know? you may you may have to pivot after this podcast. Yeah, you may have to pivot. So so might be good, p- might
1: be bad for worker engagement.
0: <laughs> Again, another whole podcast. we can Get out of this. Uh, so I I always ask about the name, but I'm going to put a pin in that for a second. You did time at Uber. Do you have a good Uber story? Do you have a good Travis uh, story for us before we get into, into everything?
1: Sure. <laughs> I got lots of them. Let me see one that I can
0: share. Pick one.
1: You know, I, I think one of the biggest things we struggled with was, was dealing with um, with airports. and And we had a lot of these places where... We struggled with the local taxi community and, and Vegas. You know, they were Vegas in <laughs> particular was one of my cities, as you guys oh, have wow. probably seen. And it sucks, um, yeah. Travis was uh, was really in a position where I think, as a company, also we just didn't want to get into a wrong position with Homeland Security and airports. And uh, what we managed to negotiate out and uh, never quite got blessed was a kind of data sharing with with McCarran Airport, where we didn't give away personally identifiable information and nothing that it would get us in trouble with legal. And we were able to come up with this win-win-win situation that ended up being the way that ride-sharing companies communicate with Homeland Security and sort of, you know, you want to make sure that you don't have a car full of terrorists driving up to the airport <laughs> Um, but you Pretty also important. don't want to yes. be like, you know, sort of doing something Big Brother-like and sharing people's names and, and trajectories with uh, authorities. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll leave it at that. I won't exactly say what the technical solution was. Okay. It was one so of those, ben- bending the
0: rules, everything we've seen in the Hulu. One of
1: those. And, and Travis basically refused waiting. to go to any of the meetings, but also didn't block
0: it. Um, okay. So that, okay. that would be one of my, one <laughs> of my Travis is, stories. Everything is true. Everything is true. Right, let's get to Movo. Origin of the name—it's a .co, which ten years ago you saw a lot of. You don't see a lot of it anymore. It's all I/O and AI. Uh, yeah, yeah. You guys aren't that old. You found in 2018. So, what's the origin of the name? Did you try to get uh, the .com? Will you be looking at getting that in the future? Talk about the name.
1: Yeah, yeah. Domain brokers uh, beware! Right, but uh, yeah, they. The origin of the name was um, we wanted a, a a name that that we could really grow into and and the vision's very broad because like very broadly speaking um, you know we're essentially a data and algorithms company inside of an HR company, HR tech company um, and Movo was just it, it it sort of resonates and it 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 pulled really well with the frontline workforce uh, clients as well and we thought it was uh, just a great Refreshing take on the future of work and particularly gig technology, um, the development of the flexible workforce. That all sounds really vague, but if you kind of boil down, you know what's out there. I think the route of going very specific ends up kind of getting you into into uh, a dead end, right? Because you'll you name your company after one feature. And then it gets challenging when, you know, you start to build out your roadmap. And and so I think we've got a good name from that perspective. The .co is simply its domain broker dynamics. Like .com, it's taken not particularly acquirable for an early stage company budget, Um, I.O. and a couple of the other ones as well. And yet we were able to trademark Movo, broadly speaking, for HR tech around the world. Okay. Um, So we're pretty protected you know we're doing a lot on the seo front just to make sure that we continue to rank in the top 3 got
0: it got it well you, you don't you don't hear frontline work and fresh fresh perspective uh, when it comes to names well, so we'll, we'll leave yeah, it, right leave right it, leave it at that now you you don't have what i would call a core competency in recruitment hr etc is would you agree and if not changed my mind. Uh, but is, is that an advantage for what you guys are doing? Or do you find let, let, that it's a learning curve that you're trying to catch up to?
1: Yeah, I would say I've got a recent one. Um, what my my core competence is designing and deploying big algorithms. And I've, I, I did it in the consumer space uh, for years. So I, I worked in, in telecoms. I was I was part of an algorithms development team in early McKinsey. 25 years ago, and then we deployed a bunch of algorithms into banking, uh, into telecoms, into a bunch of consumer businesses. I worked for Gary Loveman at Caesars Entertainment, previously at Harrah's in the roll-up of the casino industry, rolling our algorithmic system, which were a lot of like airline algorithms and otherwise, and then uh, eBay, and then some of the other e-commerce uh, companies. So I've I've been deploying massive algorithms, like algorithms that see a billion you know, transactions and touches a month kind of a thing uh, for going on two decades.
2: <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to bounce off of that. R- real and quick I have three here. more I'm points
1: to add
0: to that with yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. seven right. subplot points.
2: There's so many industries that are out there. HR is a slow to adopt industry. You've got all this great, fast moving, fast paced, tech I mean you were on the cutting bleeding edge with Uber right you were not on the bleeding edge anymore at least from an industry standpoint so why why yeah. in the hell are you in HR now
1: great question and I think I think if you look at it it's consumer is relatively easy digitizing consumers relatively easy cuz you Everybody's got a mobile phone. It's got like 20 sensors on it. Mm -hmm. The problem with B2B is it doesn't exist. And you have all the hardware issues and all the interoperability issues and all the Mm -hmm. corporate leadership issues and all the other things that go with it. And even you could say the organization isn't designed to be run automatically. And we went through this in e-commerce, right? Because... Walmart and Target and Best Buy's organizational structures Mm -hmm. were merchant organizations. They weren't set up with the kind of general managers that the category manager at Amazon is. Mm -hmm. So when you look at it, what are the opportunities to really digitize traditional B2B companies? It's on the frontline worker. That's the place where you've got consumer kinds of dynamics and you've got a mobile phone, frankly, in everybody's pocket. That's why we're going after that space you'd argue ride sharing and delivery is like a first step in that direction if you look at what we did with uber drivers mm-hmm. right we hired 5000 uber drivers a week in a city we on any given day managed 20 30 50000 people in real time in a city or a small region you know we we were already digitizing the frontline workforce so now i think you know that's our bet as a company is we can take those same kind of tactics and tech and we can deploy them into frontline workforce at everybody else's company.
2: So you saw that there was a gap, that there was pretty much a legacy tech in yep. the space, and that you guys could fill that gap with more bleeding edge tech. Is is that what
1: I'm hearing? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, I think there was there was a competing model out there for a few years, which was the labor marketplace. And everyone was betting on a labor marketplace and staffing platforms and that kind of thing. And I think the challenge is, right? Like You end up with co-employment, you end up with all these career challenges when people Mm. are in a temp environment. And so, you know, our bet is that sort of that stuff is passe, labor marketplaces are passe, Mm. and really what you need to be doing is providing the best tech directly to employers to run the workforce this way.
2: So you mentioned hospitality, nursing, and retail. Those are incredibly different industry. So how do you cater to them all? Do you try to slam them all into the same process methodology? Because to be quite frank, we all need to do the same thing. And if so, what is the adoption rate for companies thinking that uh, they can just go ahead and jam their their nursing process into a hospitality process?
1: Well, I think, you know, if you, you're not to go into, you know, sort of uh, scheduling processes versus hiring process, onboarding process, or whatever. But if we mm-hmm. stay, if we stay kind of macro, the use cases that people need really advanced tech for are really similar. So one of the biggest opportunities out there in the economy, in terms of digitization, is optimizing. If you look at we, we don't have enough workers, frontline workers in the country, right? Like, full mm-hmm. stop. And right. population is aging, so it's not getting better. Uh, that's even creating more frontline workforce demand, right? So there, and and we got participation down. So we got less workers to deal with. We've got to make more out of the workers that we have. Everybody who's running a large company is walking around with 20, 10, 30% waste in their schedule. It's misallocated nurses. It's, you know, warehouse staff that isn't exactly matched to the ordered volume that's coming through. It's it's these kinds of things, these kinds of opportunities. And so Right off the bat, the first thing that we usually look at is staff allocation.
2: So your Uber driver allocation is what I'm hearing.
1: Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep. Surge exactly. pricing. Well, surge pricing, if you're dealing with 1099s, <laughs> it's surge pricing. If you're dealing with your own staff, it and it may be flexing your staffing partners up and down. And it may uh-huh. be <clears throat> shifting switches shifts, uh swapping shifts, pardon me, gotcha. and 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 doing these kinds of substitutions we have clients that literally will move 20, 30% of their staff around every week. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, that's the kind of stuff that fills your staffing gap. You then, you know, if you're able to sweat your current roster, obviously you don't have the TA gap anymore.
0: Jason, so you you guys have raised about $10 million. What have you done with that? And what will you do with the remaining? And is there another series coming down the pike? Talk about the cash? We're just, we've been
1: EBITDA positive, EBITDA break-even positive for about the last year. Um, We did a small strategic raise last year, um, taking on Jobs for the Future, JFF and SHRM. I think we're likely to continue to do those kinds of raises opportunistically where we find the right partnerships. Um, But our real goal is to be self-funding from this point forward. Uh, Most of what we did with the 10 million that we raised is build a platform um, and get, you know, engineering aligned. We built a lot of product. We've got more than 100 features in our platform.
0: Yeah, and, and speaking of engineering, so looking at your, your headcount info on LinkedIn, it looks like you guys have had quite a bit of a cut in the last couple of years. Unless the data is wrong, it looks like about a 28% cut engineering and tech being and sales being two of the uh, ones that were most impacted. Talk about that. Was that a cost savings? Was that a, Hey, we built the platform. We don't need these folks anymore. Our sales strategy has changed. Talk about the the talent pool.
1: We, when we came out of, and you guys have probably seen this broadly, I think a lot of us have experienced it day to day, but like, um, when we came out of the pandemic, things really shifted. And I think we didn't talk about them a lot, right? Because during the pandemic, We were running around, we were basically an HTD shop during the the pandemic. We were hiring people, we were training them, we were deploying them, particularly in North America, trying to get plants back up. And we were literally running around with $200 million of orders and we were like filling like 10% of them. Um, and I, I, don't think we were alone. I think there were, we had competitors there. The staffing companies were all swamped. Um, and as we came kind of out of the pandemic, a lot of people just sort of calmed down and it sort of went to, we're making do what we, with what we have. We have uncertain demand picture. So there was this real slowdown in hiring and talent acquisition. As we saw it, the crazy days were done like April of last year. And we made some big cuts and readjusted our business and kind of sweat out. We'd really bulked up uh, because we were hiring. We were looking at in some months we were putting sixty thousand workers through our platform and through our hiring process. So you know we just kind of that was a big a big adjustment and course correction. And then we went, like I said, we worked last year on getting to EBITDA positive and and realigning for. For the long game that we're playing now
2: so uber tried getting into this game and they failed i mean they crashed and burned so yeah. how how what's what's different this time around obviously I, I, I don't think you were there that time but what's different this time around
1: i think i think uber works was a flawed strategy i think mm-hmm. um the idea that and it's a little bit you see it with winolo which is also a company um i think it's a great company i think it has also fundamentally this flawed strategy which is mm-hmm. there's The very entry level of of the workforce, you know, the unskilled worker, the very casual unskilled worker is just a brutal market. And it's really tough to build preference with the employees. Um, Those jobs are totally commoditized. You know, there's not any margin in there for anybody. Uh, And then on, you know, kind of on the client side as well. They have seven or eight competitors, and by the way, a guy with a fax machine is every bit as able to staff those workers in as Uber <laughs> with its app. So, you know, there's, there's, it's just a tough business, and I think them going after that market at that time was just, uh, you know, was 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 destined to to end up the way it did.
0: What's up, guys? I got a question for you. What happens when you bring the power of AI? to programmatic advertising. Well, game-changing efficiency, of course. What does that mean to you? Improved conversion rates, reduced cost per application, and ultimately the one metric that we all know truly matters, reduced cost per hire. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, great news. This technology already exists. Introducing HireMaster.AI HireMaster.AI is a data-driven model that analyzes a wide range of data sources. It considers factors such as candidate demographics, job type, industry, and historical performance data. It continuously monitors and optimizes your job advertising campaigns to adapt to changing market conditions and maximum results. HireMaster AI empowers recruiting teams to work more efficiently and effectively. By automating certain tasks and providing valuable data-driven insights. Why not give it a shot today? Learn more and start your trial by visiting hiremaster.ai now. That's H-I-R-E-M-A-S-T-E-R.ai. A-I.
1: How much do you understand the future of finance? Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Bank Transformed, Transform. Available wherever you get your podcast, and now available on YouTube.
2: Okay, so let's talk about some of the threats and maybe even competitors in the market because we see the, the paradoxes and the Harrys of the world. I mean, they, they're uh, they're gobbling up market share. So
0: bigger than that. Like some gorillas in this space.
2: (laughs) They've they've taken they've taken (laughs) they've taken up a lot of market share. So how do you compete? Or is that just a market validation that you just need to be a pilot fish?
1: I I think there's plenty of market share to go around Mm -hmm. because I think this is gonna be a big part of, you know, and we're talking about digitizing B2B. Like I don't Mm -hmm. think there's gonna be HR software and warehouse management software and other ERPs 20 years from now, I think we're going to have a couple of platforms that you kind of run a big part of your company on. Um, So I think we're, we're moving in that direction. Um, Mm -hmm. The linchpin, the strategic pivot here is like who pivot point is who has worker preference and who's the app that the worker has on in their pocket all day long, every day. Because mm-hmm. that gives you all the behavioral data. That gives you all the geo data uh, to do any number of use cases, and to be, you know, frankly, the AI shop that wins. Uh, I don't think this is a chatbot thing. It's not about can you do customer service with a chatbot, or can you replace recruiters with a chatbot. I think this is, you know, are you the mobile app of preference, and and a lot of us are going to compete for it, and. We'll have slightly different strategies and different approaches. And the world's a big place. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> I was looking up some numbers on a different topic today. Accenture did 30 billion of SI work in the Fortune 500 in the U.S. last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, there's room for 20 or 30 companies here uh, easily. And we end up being the work days, you know, in 10 years or whatever. Um,
2: so you've got to be sticky. You've got to be the lifestyle platform, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, you can't and, just be and exactly an indeed job search app on the phone. You've got to be more than that.
1: Yeah, for us, I mean, I'm giving away a little bit of trade secrets here, but it it timekeeping and scheduling is is the killer app mm-hmm. because that's what gets. Workers with a legit reason, not they're not like on Facebook for work doing posts, like with a legit reason using the app all day long every day. And it has mm-hmm. direct kind of financial impact. It has direct career development impact. The internal labor marketplace is another one surfacing those shifts that need to be swapped. Hey, my buddy, who's also cross-trained in the ER needs to get a couple of shifts covered. So, you know. Well,
2: where do you start? Where do you start and end? I mean, that's the big question. Where do you start and end? Do you start at the top of the funnel and actually do the recruiting Uh, portion of it, and then all the way through payroll and scheduling. And I mean, where do you start and end? Because that in itself, from a TAM standpoint,
0: that is pretty broad. Or where do you want to start and end?
1: Right, right. The biggest lever is productivity in your existing workforce, right? If Uh you're a big hospital chain, you have 50,000 nurses, the big lever is getting 10% more productivity out of that workforce. Hiring is an important application. We just have a completely gig style hiring process. You download the app, you click through a couple of screens and you're essentially hired and then you show up at an orientation session. So, you know, for the super high volume hiring that we've done in the last couple of years, that's that's the process. But, you know, I think it I go back to like it's work it's mobile workforce management. If you want to, you know, really kind of put a wrapper on it, that's. Mm-hmm where we
0: all should be competing because that's the unlock for the frontline workforce of the world. So I'm going to dig in a little bit uh, with the recruiting side because we have some on the recruiting side that are bleeding into the management side or what you're doing. Do you not see yourself going the other way into recruiting? Will you always be sort of a day one and on or hired onboarding and on? Yeah.
1: Oh, I should say we have a full fledged recruiting automation offering, and we we compete with the fountains and the levers of the world and
0: otherwise. So I mean, you don't you don't beat your chest about it.
1: We don't because yeah, we, I mean, we we it think it
0: exists.
1: Yeah, it's um and and like I said, I mean our 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 stat is we we hired six hundred thousand people in the last two years, so it's not it's not like we. We kind of have some beta that we kind of sort of, you know, are, are thinking about. Like, we know it's there. We don't think it's as strategic as workforce management. And and clients will eventually, you know, ask us for it. But it's because, you know, like we were saying, you can't hire your way out of the deficit right now. Yeah. Okay. I, I think for, the, for that reason.
0: So you are, you dabble in recruitment. That may, you may bulk that up a little bit as customer demand, yada, yada. Okay. So... You, you have a unique perspective on automation because Uber was really focused on automation. Uh, I think they partnered with Duquesne or something at some point. Uh, I'm going way back in my memory archives. But, but Uber was really focused on automated drivers and ta- driverless taxis. Yeah, Employment is the same. Every week, where there's a new story about Amazon robots or driverless <laughs> trucks or something, Talk about that in terms of a threat to your business. In other words, for every robot yeah. that comes on on the line, every robot that takes blood pressure uh, at a hospital, is that eating away at your profits? And if not, why not?
1: Sure, I, I think you know. The short answer is um, robotics is really hard uh, for these roles, and it's going to take a while. And I think the long the long game is think 50 years in the future, 100 years in the future, there's going to be a lot less of this type of employment. I think if you look at where automation is headed right now, it's really at entry level white collar work. It's not at and, 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 you know, I'm talking entry level computer scientists, I'm talking entry level financial analysts, entry level lawyers, that's where automation is going to eat probably the lunch of the next like five to 10 years. And I think it's a broader topic for HR leaders who might be listening to the show, but the broader topic is how do every, you help? Every
0: HR leader listens to this show, Jason. All of them.
1: <laughs> so it's, it's a broader topic of how do you help your career starters right now coming out of college? What does it look like if mm-hmm. apprentice programs get hollowed out because your senior engineers are just using some AI assistance instead of using junior engineers anymore? are bringing them up right so we've we've got other topics there but i think on you know i i I think nursing you know a lot of of running highly automated factory lines uh field engineering or field technician work there's a ton of work out there that just is just going to be more tech enabled and it's just going to level up in the same way like the pc and the internet didn't didn't eat white collar work in the beginning it just became an enabler And it caused all of us to kind of gain technology skills. I think we have the same thing going on. Nursing will get more technical. And, you know, as HR leaders, we have to help the workforce get more technical.
0: And I assume that's where your upskilling feature comes into play. I'm exactly. Not ask, I'm not exactly. asking you a question. I'm just, I'm just, I'm filling in the blanks. <laughs> you're, in you're, sprinkling, you're sprinkling, you're <laughs> sprinkling it in there. I appreciate
2: that. Let's talk about go to market. So how, how are we going to market? Are you going straight to brands? Are you working with uh, different companies, uh, being able to to get into their portfolios, white uh, being white labeled? How are you? How are you doing this?
1: yeah so um so far we've entirely uh, operated under our own brand we haven't uh, white labeled the platform in any market okay um, our go to market is our our buyer is is an early adopter um, you know and and somebody who is down for change management, hungry for technology um, and you know driven con- concerned about helping their workforce get ahead and be higher skilled and and be more productive and and earn higher wages and things. What's the
2: level of that person? That's not the VP of talent acquisition, is it? Who who is that? Who are you getting to?
1: It's a it's a um a change management CHRO and a and or a change management C O O um, mm-hmm. Or you know, frankly, a CEO, and they're not all in North America. We work uh, pretty globally, and and wherever those folks are, and we we sort of internally the way we look at it is in every industry and in every country, there's a couple of them, and um, we're not after late mm-hmm. adopters, or we're not looking for the middle mass of the market yet. We're really trying to work that front edge of change and and help
0: Bleeding these folks edge. digitize. Really, yeah.
1: truly. Yep. And I think the, you know, if you look, a great reference is Jeffrey Moore, who kind of wrote the book on tech adoption, crossing
0: the chasm, if, if folks have read that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You get into reading and we're done. We're done when you talk <laughs> about books and, and whatnot. So really quickly, I know, I know you like going on real quickly. What do you want to be when you grow up? Is this like, We want to flip this in a few years because you've raised money, but not like the money that your competition has raised. So either you're really, really much smarter than your competition, which I'm not putting out of the realm of possibility, or you have much sort of lighter expectations, like you're going to be bought by a a big gorilla at some point. I don't see IPO in your future. Uh, and don't give me some work life balance stuff because you, you work for Uber, for God's sakes. So, what, what do you want to be in 30 seconds? What do you want to be when you grow up?
1: We want to be the HR tech platform to beat for the next 10, 20 years. Like we literally want to take on the SAPs and the workdays of the world and replace them with newer technology.
0: So a new raise of funds is coming in the near future, <laughs> is what I'm hearing uh, with, with that answer. Chad, this sounds expensive as hell. I, oh, it no. sounds like it's way out of my budget. I don't um, know about yours be. in in Portugal. Maybe your <laughs> your European real estate <laughs> it's, empire can It's handle. more it's affordable here, J- I'm Jason, sure. Jason, yes. f- for our listeners that want to know, how much does this cost? Can I afford it? Like, How do you break down the pricing? A Really
1: simple, wherever you are in the world, it counts about what a sandwich costs to put a worker on Movo for the month. At five, 10
0: bucks somewhere in that ballpark. All right, Jason, it's not sexy, but it's an answer. I'm going to go first. <laughs> okay. I'm giving you my two cents about, uh, about this company. So I was, I was initially pretty skeptical your background doesn't scream HR tech royalty. I love the Uber play, and you—you you turned me on the whole, you know, driver uh, surge pricing, for lack of a better term, of of how to like how you bring what your experience is to the workplace and scheduling and managing workers and all. So, so you 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 built that bridge to me, which which was great, which was a big pop in your stock uh, in terms of what I was looking at. I initially thought they're going to get destroyed by the big boys and even the ones that are hoping to be big boys with money they've raised, et cetera. I, I really think you got to, I won't say you're a a squirt gun at a gunfight or a knife at a, at a gunfight, but you gotta, you gotta build some tanks, brother. You gotta bring some like howitzers to the party. And then we can, then we can really, I think, start talking about your future. You've got big goals. Uh, I do think there's room for a lot of winners. I don't think there's a winner-take-all, uh, you know, Coke, Pepsi, and that's it. I think that uh, a lot of companies are going to be appealing to certain industries. I like that you're targeting healthcare. And what's the other one? Uh, and retail. And retail. Yeah, so, so you're, you're kind of focused. Yeah. Um, again, it's a big world, a big market. I think you're global uh, in your mental, like your focus is global. It's not just Minneapolis or, Hey, we want to be awesome. in in St. Paul and the twin cities, I think it's much bigger than that. So for me, it's just a money question. Uh, can you raise the money? Can you build the army to go against from the upside, the paradoxes, the fountains, but then also the, the big boys, the UKGs, the ADPs workday, I might throw in there. I don't know if you do or not, but so you're stuck Mm -hmm. in this middle ground. Like if you don't, if you want to be the thing, you gotta raise money. So for me, like until you raise that money and build that army, it's a golf clap from me. But I'm super optimistic about about the business and I like I like your Uber experience. I think it's gonna pay off in a unique way in our space. Chad, you're up.
2: Oh, here we go. Okay. So Jason, I gotta say. Early adopters and down for change management is not the profile of the HR masses. And I know, I know you're just looking for the bleeding edge people, but those are going to be very hard to find. Um, and there's also a lot of catching up to do because one of the gorillas out there that we mentioned earlier, they're about uh, at 10 million users per month. You guys are around 70,000, right? So uh, again, there's there's a lot of ground to make up. Other than that, it really feels like Movo is skating to the puck. Mobile first for frontline hiring. Mobile workforce management is a winner in the frontline space, period, right? Uh, hiring 600,000 people in 24 months, that, that's that's nothing to shake a stick at. Sticky apps being the the actual lifestyle app, product, uh, process automation, AI load balancing, some of the shit that we've never heard in, in this space before. I think Joel is wrong with regard to you needing to actually raise a shit ton more money. I think you are in line to be an amazing pilot fish definitely get some money. You don't have to go out there and get a shit ton of money. But if you are the RC Cola to the Coke and Pepsi out there, I think you're going to do damn well. And for that reason, my friend, you're going to get a big applause from me.
0: Congratulations, Jason. How do you feel? Thanks, guys. It's been awesome. Yeah. I
1: We're going to raise it. it um, is going to be lean. That's um. You know, we've learned also we've we've all had the hangover raising too much, and yes, maybe it's a little bit of a founder being cautious.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a founder being cautious and smart, and also, yes, you're you're just riding a different wave.
1: That's cool.
0: Fair enough. Now, now in the green room, let's talk about this new wife swapping uh, product. That gonna <laughs> so, just kidding. For those out there again, uh, Jason, where do you send them if they want to learn more about Mobo?
1: Yeah, you can find us on LinkedIn, uh, Movo HQ, or you can find us at our website at Movo.co.
0: That's another firing squad. Jason is still alive and kicking. Chad, another one in the can. We out. We out. This has been the Firing Squad. Be sure to subscribe to the Chad and Cheese podcast so you don't miss an episode. And if you're a startup who wants to face the Firing Squad, contact the boys at chadcheese.com today. That's www.chadcheese.com dot com.